ברוכים הבאים בשם השם, ברכנוכם ובייס השם, ברוכים to our weekly Wednesday night shear. This week, of course, we're dedicating as every other week, Lisa Shlamis, Allah Shalom. I'd like to um, welcome people home. Those that have been away for the summer, away for a week, for two, on business, whoever they may have been. Welcome back, Atlanta, Georgia, wherever, whoever else has been out. Um, actually, I was going to uh, Mincha today. I met Rabbi Resnick, Rabbi Ali Resnick. And um, he gives me regards from his community. We'd like to give a shout out, as we say in America, back to the Resnick's community, those who listen to the Shir, and those who are subjected to the people that like to repeat the Shir. To the listeners, we say thank you, and we say, Tizkal Mitzvah, and may this Kriyas Itim, this established time of study of Torah, bring you many, many merits and many blessings throughout your day and your daily life. A very, very powerful Pasha, 73 mitzvahs. Pasha Kiseite. This week, for those that are keeping going with Pirkeyavis throughout the summer, this week, interestingly, we joined together Pedic Aleph and Beis. Is there only, believe it or not, three Shabbos is left to Reish Hashanah? That's quite an awesome thought. So this Shabbos is Pedic Aleph and Beis. Next Shabbos, would be Gimel and Dalid, and the following Shabbos, which would practically be Erev Rosh Hashanah, would be Hay and Vov. Seventy-three mitzvahs is a lot of mitzvahs to talk about. So technically, if we spent a mitzvah, each mitzvah this week for one minute, we would be overtime. So if I would sit down and try to divide up the actual time for it, the 73 mitzvahs, how much time each one needed, it probably wouldn't work out either for us. And as we try each week to try to incorporate something, at least from the parasha. One of the mitzvahs discussed As the Pasha begins, it talks about the battle that one will go out to, a battle, a war of permission. Ooh. Speaking of welcoming back, welcome back from Israel at Seyna HaKidosha. Person will capture a captive a woman, and the different laws that are involved, he wants to marry her, what he needs to do beforehand. But ultimately, the tailor says things evolve, and they don't evolve well for this person. Because after all, this is not from our faith. Marrying out of the faith ultimately is detrimental in many, many different ways. And amongst the many different ways, says the Torah that it will degenerate the relationship, and ultimately they would 
have a child which is known as a ben seder or meder. Seder and meder obviously is a child that not anybody would want to be blessed with. Not much nachas and all the results and everything that needs to be done. But then the Torah tells us on the good side, on the flip side, other mitzvahs that can be done, that will be done, and thereby the rewards that will take place. And we're going to discuss various, some of those various mitzvahs. <laughs> Actually, the title of today's shir probably would be, It's Not His Bird. But we'll get to how that works and how it comes out later. How we could do a mitzvah with something that's not even ours. That mitzvah ultimately that we're referring to is the mitzvah of Shiluah HaKan, sending away the mother bird. Which we've discussed at great length and many times prior, but we're going to discuss from a different angle tonight. If one does such a mitzvah, says the Torah, in following that if a person merits all the reward, the person then says, the tater person will buy a house, or purchase, purchase a house, then they should see to it, they make a mica, a gate around their rooftop. I'd like to take a little time discussing our mica business. The different angles of a mica, what a gate on the roof could refer to. The Sifri says, Kisik and Bayis, a person who purchases a house, it refers to Bayis Larabis Hechel, even the courtyard of the Holy Temple. How does that deal with our lifestyle? The Shalah Kodesh, there are many people that are referred to in different titles. There are no comments from the peanut gallery over there. That are given different titles. The Shalah is always referred to as Shalah HaKadosh. Dari was Dari Zalachai. And many, many different of Tzadikim of the past. The Shalah HaKadosh says, as Michael Gagecha refers to, we find a hint. The fact that a Gag, Gagecha is always Gavoya, is always high. It's always the highest part of the house, usually. It'd be interesting if a person's basin was the highest part. But ultimately the rooftop is their part, highest part. What is the highest part of a person's personality? The ego. When a person is egotistical, a person is a balgaiva. Tells the tailor one must make a gvul, a boundary around this gaiva. And if not, then God forbid that will be his fall. That's where his downfall will come about. As the Torah says, the reason for the mic is because the neifel will fall from there. Sometimes a person thinks when it comes to things that are permissible, worldly things, we need to make a mica only in the small other trivial things. When it comes to the meaning of gaiva, the way a person serves God, 
Mikramalaya Kasamida, but a full possible. Possig says in Divya Yamim, chapter 2, no, Divya Yamim Bez, excuse me, chapter 17, verse 6. He raised up his heart in the ways of God. And if you keep your score at home, the Gemara Mesech Kasaita, Dafhei Amid Aleph says, Talmud Chokham, Sarech Shiebe Shminish Vishminis. A Talmud Chacham needs to have an eighth of an eighth of Gaiva. And we discussed this before. Oh, I'm in trouble. We discussed this before. The eighth of the eighth. How the eighth of the eighth works. It's going to die. How the eighth of the eighth works. And we also discussed that it happens to be that the eighth Pasuk of the eighth Pasha of the Teda is Katainti Mikolach Hasodim. Katainti referring to the humbleness of Yaakov Inu. So we find when it comes to Kedusha, there has to be some sort of a gaiva. And this, the Chazal tells us, this comes to add the Hechel. Why the bias refers to the Hechel? Even the roof of the Hechel, which is the holy part of the temple, needs a maike, needs a shmira, needs to be watched over. Even if we find, the high, find ourselves the highest levels, a person needs to be with bittel, when it comes to Kedushas of the Abishta, the holiness of God. Good days are passing. Correct. Um, but Kisim the Bayez Chodosh, person builds a new home. Again, in the beginning of Mesechtis Yuma, Mishnah says, Chazal tell us, refer to Beisai, his house, Zuishtai. This is his wife. And so, Kisiv the Bayez Chodosh goes on the beginning of a life, a new life, a marriage. Then a person builds a Bayez Chodosh. And since this month there are many anniversaries, Baruch Hashem, it's I propose to discuss just that in this month, in this parsha. Sometimes a person thinks, he learns in Yerushalmi, everybody learns Yerushalmi, in Yerushalmi, in Bekurim, it brings down that a chosens, all his sins are forgiven. The chosens, the sins are forgiven. In that case, I'm starting new, I got a clear slate. I can do whatever I want. I don't need to take on more difficult Statuses and more difficult, chumras, etc. Everything bad has been wiped out. That's why the Tata comes to warn us, just the opposite. In the time like this, not only the person needs to put themselves boundaries, put themselves limits, put themselves restraints, more than they were until now, because Tivne by his Chodesh, when a person builds a new home, he has to accept upon himself the Siyogim, 
all the different gates, all the extra to rope in all these new thoughts, all these new actions, all these new talk. And the reason why? person starts a new life. He gets, he leaves the Torah world, he leaves Yeshiva world, he gets the grind, the stones, the grindstones of the physical world where he has to go out to work. He has to deal with Panasa. He has to deal with people in a different vein, not just studying Tayra, not just davening, not just learning. But here also, where he needs to go out and he needs to get into a business or to a way to make a Panasa, which ultimately exposes him to other types of lifestyles. So this is a hard time. This is a yiridah and a fila. This is a fall, a drop into the physical world, into the realm of the physical world. Therefore, it is possible that physical world should twist his mind, should send different messages, send the wrong messages for him. And therefore he needs to make a mica, a new mica, a new gate, that the person should not fall from his level. But he should just rise up higher in the world and to purify and to elevate every, all the worldly things that he comes into contact with. Rather than pulling him down, he should pull them up. And this is therefore the Micah, the message of the Micah Legagecha, meaning of Bayis, of Bayis Chodosh, of the new home that one builds themselves and how the person starts off in his new lifestyle. New lives, new, new homes, new beginnings. An old friend, substantially a few years younger than I am, Rabbi Alter Bukit, Alter Fisher Bukit, he was in Boston now, was once at Oyo one night. It was late, it was midnight. You figure at midnight you can sit, you can study, it's quiet, at peace, tranquil. Nobody to bother you, nobody to disturb you. I mean, Baruch Hashem, by the way, it's never quiet, really. It's never really nobody there. There's always people there. There's always things happening. But it's not the hustle and the bustle of a Sunday afternoon. So here he was sitting and learning in Maima on his own. And there's two little Yingalach, Siddish Yingalach, from not Lubavitcher family, seen the Gerach Siddim, who are running around and making a ruckus. And it was pretty bad. And the father sitting there writing his letter or whatever he's doing. And the two Yingalach are running around making havoc, wreaking havoc. short while later, Bukit Baruch Hashem refocused his mind and tuned out the noise and tuned out the disturbance because Yiddish Kinder not disturbance, Hashem. The man stands up, the father, and he goes over to Rabbi Bukit. And he asks him, Did you ever stand by the Rebbe's car and hold the door open for the Rebbe and close it afterwards? <laughs> Bukit said, Yes, about 12 years ago, I was the one of the Madrichim, or head Madrichim, 
of the Lagbeimer parade. When it comes to Lagbeimer, when it's on a Sunday, there's a parade. The parade they close off Eastern Parkway, and it's four and a half, five hours worth of psiches that ever speaks, Baruch Hashem. We're married to the Rebbe speaking, and the children say the Pesukim of the Rebbe to Yisbeit Pesukim, and the different floats and different clowns and different acts and different things that go by. You gotta have something to drink with that, you know. You can't. <laughs> I'm just gonna eat it with a fork. I don't know why I wrote that. Shh. <laughs> it's too early to say Shikiel. Shh. <laughs> and it's quite a quite a spectacle. Someone who has never been by a Lagbeim parade, you really lose out. You've missed out a lot. It's, a, it's an amazing, amazing experience. And the Rebbe stands there and watches every single child march. Every child pass by, passes by in front of the Rebbe. Children carrying flags, carrying signs. Um, not protesting the Iran nuclear deal. Signs encouraging doing mitzvahs, learning teda, putting on tefillin, etc., it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the Rebbe addresses, thank you very much, the Rebbe addresses the, the Kindelach and the entire assemblage. And there was one time even the Rebbe spoke in Russian, a complete sikha in Russian on the Lagbaima parade. Welcome back to Atlanta, Georgia. And um, it's very, very, very powerful. We have our first taste of honey cake, just fresh out of the oven. courtesy of my daughter, if she send her, all her prayers should be answered positively. Shidduch now. Anyway, this uh, parade goes on. After the parade, the Rebbe used to go to the oil. But first, before the Rebbe would go to the oil, the Rebbe would usually go down. There was a fair where the children would go down to either rides and shows and whatever it was. The Rebbe would go down first there. They would drive the Rebbe through there. The Rebbe would want to see. Want to see all the children. Want to see the, what's happening there. And then the Rebbe would go to the oil. Lagbeimer is famous for a lot of miracles. More than any miracles were people that were not blessed with children until that point. Many people were blessed on Lag Bayman for children and had children. Anyway, he's giving a lecture right now. The fellow says. It was very interesting. Sorry? Yeah. He heard about this. Oh. He and his wife, Rahman al married for 10 years. No children. They went to every possible cave they can go to. They went to all the Rebbes around. Siddhisha Rebbes. He was a Gera Chashid. Someone told him. You have to get a bracha from the Bab Chirebbe on Lag This guy. This guy. Okay. Get a chassid. So I came. I went up on the podium. I pushed my way up there. Almost got myself killed. 
All the hummel and the thummel. I try. I got right in front of the Rebbe. The Rebbe, I need a bracha for children. The Rebbe didn't hear me. There was no response. When people saw me talking to the Rebbe. They didn't want me disturbing the Rebbe. They pulled me away. This is my life. This is my whole existence. I fought. I got myself back again in front of the Rebbe. And again I screamed to the Rebbe, Rebbe, a bracha for children. The Rebbe didn't hear me, this is very good. You don't like honey cake. <laughs> anyway, I squeezed my way down, and the Rebbe already gotten into his car. And I saw my life before my eyes. I said, it's over. I have no life without children. What's, life, what's it worth living? I threw myself to the car. The Rebbe's window was open. But the Rebbe's door was closed and I was sitting in the car. I threw myself into the car physically. I stuck my head into the Rebbe, in front of the Rebbe. I said, the Rebbe, give me a bracha for children. And you were standing there, he tells Rabbi Bukit. And you could have pulled me right out. And not let me stand there. Not let me do what I did. But you saw me talking to the Rebbe and you didn't, you refused. You, you, something there said to you, spoke to you and said, let him talk. And the Rebbe looked at me and said, Amen kaflayim l'teshia. Amen, there should be a double salvation. No. So a book it says to him, and he says, What do you mean and? You see these two kids running around here? They were born ten months later. From the when the Rebbe said to him, Omen Kaflayim Tishia, ten months later these two twins these twins were born. So we see a new beginning, how a person's beginning starts, we don't understand where to put the proper stress to put the right the accent on the right syllable as we say how to actually focus things where to direct our strengths where to direct our power where to direct our blessing our prayers I'd like to Well, let's go back again to the new beginnings. Before we go into the midst of Shiluah HaKan and the Rashi and the Machlik, is Rashi and Sifri. <coughs> Kedushin. Teira tells us this week, one of the mitzvahs, Kiyikach Ish, Isha Ubaila. The Yatzav Ahisav. But before it goes, before a man has to divorce his wife, he has to marry the wife. How does one get married? There's a Mishnah, Mesechta's condition. It starts the, mid, the first, the beginning of the Mesechta. You're keeping score at home, just open your condition. And the first Mishnah says, 
a woman is acquired three ways, kesef, shtar, ubiya. Money, contract, or relationship, intercourse. No. So when it comes to the actual source of the Kedushan, we learn two things, we find two things. First we learn from the Pasuk, ish isha, a man takes a woman. This is in this week's Pasha, chapter 24, verse 1. Pasuk Aleph. And from there we learn, Kedushan is with Kesef, with money, says the Sifri, on the Pasuk. And if you need to look a little further in Kedushan, on Davdalet Amit Beis, where the Gemara actually teaches us Kesef Minolon, and he brings it down from there. A second thing, <coughs> the Pasuk says, V'yotzochinam en Kosef, if God forbid it does not work out, a relationship, with a slave, actually, this is referring to a slave, V'yotzochinam en Kosef, we learn out, the master has to release his slave, whatever the situation was at that point. However, the master does not get any money, but other masters do get. Who is that talking about? It's talking about the father. When a daughter goes out from her father's house, and she's married through the father, it's also in Kedushan, Keeping score at home, Gimlam and Beis. When it comes to Kedusha Kesef, marriage through money, the Ragachov Agoyim, the Rebbe's teacher, said, quote, Ima'ilahu Akinyan, if it helps this Kinyan, this acquiring, and through this she's Mikadesh, or the hate the opposite. The marriage acquires everything, and therefore everything else becomes acquired as well. So therefore the question becomes, what makes this condition valid? If the condition is validated, validated, I'm sorry, what is that a bad word? Through through this, the woman becomes Kena. Is Kena the money that she's given? Or the opposite? That the Kenyan Akesev is through the woman herself. And through this she becomes Miskadeshes. And the Ragachava discusses this back and forth, the pros and cons, and goes back and forth on the idea. Perhaps we can learn these two approaches from the two concepts of, of Kesef. The difference in the two approaches from the Apostle Kiyikach Ish is stressed that the Ish is the Mekadosh. The man is the one that sanctifies, that takes his wife and makes him his, and takes, and makes him his wife. But when you refer to the Apostle Gesh Kesef in Acher, referring to the father, The father gets it, not the daughter. He gets the money. So according to this, we can come and we learn out that the Kiddushan that's done through money from the Pasuk Yikach Ish Isha it is understood to say that Kiddushan is caused through other 
through another way, which is the giving of the money that the man gives the, the, trans, the transaction of the man giving the wife. So the woman accepts it, she is kind of the money, and thereby it's only an out, it's only a, a, a tag on to the concept of the Kedushin itself. Which of course comes to exclude the other approach, that the Kedushin helps that this is kind of this thing. But if we're going to learn that Kedushin Kesef, from the Pasuk Yesh Kesef Laden Acher, then we have to say that it's not enough to giving the money through the father, the, man, the husband, but the Kedushin takes place, Dafke, when there is Kesef Laden Acher, when the father gets the money. When the money, either the father or the daughter, gets this money and makes the king of this money. Not that the Kedushin makes the money become hers, but rather the money makes her become the Kedushin. And through that, through that becomes the Kedushin. In the beginning of Kedushin, we learn, Heishiniknus, we said, Bishal Yishtarachim, Kesav Shtarabibiyah. The Sifri teaches us the three forms of Kiddushin are from the Pasuk in our Parsha. How does it work? Right in the beginning of the Parsha, where it talks about Kiyikach Ish Isha. This is chapter 24, verses 1 and 2. Chav Dalit, Pasuk Aleph, and Beis. It says as follows Kiyikach Ish Isha. This teaches us that, like we said, Isha Niknas Bikasef. She's. she's Married through money. Ubala. Ubala teaches us that she's Kenyan, she's she's acquired through relationship. How do we know even with a star, with a contract? Pasik says, if God forbid it doesn't work out, he has to write there a get. The get has to be written, a whole star has to be written out. And this is given to her so we say, we compare the entrance into this marriage to the exit of this marriage. Just like the exit has to be done with a shtar, so obviously the entrance of the marriage needs to be done with a shtar as well. So now, even though the, the woman is with three ways, but the Gemara takes to the best approach if you're keeping score again at home, it's Yevom Islam at Aleph Amid Beis. Mesechus Yevom is page 31, side 2. That the Most Jews are Mekadish with money. And this is what the Rambam writes. <coughs> that most Jews did through Kesef or Shavah Kesef. And that's why in the Sephardic communities, they don't use the Shavah Kesef, which we do in every area. Everyone else uses a ring which is Shavah Kesef, value of money, and they do it with Kesef itself, they do it with a coin. What is the reason? Why most do it through money? Because the Mishnah takes on the Pasuk's order. The way it says in the Mishnah, Kesef, Shtar, Ubiya, that's the order which it preferences. First the Kesef and then the Shtar. And where does that come from? From the Pasuk and the Tehidah. Ki'ikach, this is Kesef. 
And therefore, in our case as well, this is a befitting where it says the Kiddushi Kesef comes before, and therefore Kiddushi Kesef is the most important one. We are Makadish to Hashem. The Jewish nation is married to God. Or as the expression goes, I'm in love with the one above. I believe I have to quote Dove Shuren on that. They were... They tend to make different uh, mimicking little clips, videos. They, were, they made a thing of uh, breast of the Chassidim. They're talking about how much they love God. How much God loves them. One said, God loves me so much. And the other one said... God loves me even more. He says, God loves me so much that I'm married to God. The other guy says, God loves me so much I'm going to have him divorce you and marry me. Alright, it's, it's uh, a chokhna. Um, we connect though to God. And our connection to God is throughout Tzadikim in the world. As we said before, the story of the Rebbe with Keflayim, with the Shia. Many stories took place by dollars, by Yechidism. And then stories just were letters that were written to the Rebbe, the Rebbe responded to. Now, if the Rebbe responds to a letter, we have the set of Igris Kedish today, of 20 plus books, almost 30 books of letters of the Rebbe and a bunch of books in English a bunch of books in French of letters that the Rebbe wrote in all different languages which people use reference to today in order to get brachas from the Rebbe In Tavshin Nun Beis the Rebbe suffered a massive stroke and after the Rebbe suffered a massive stroke he was paralyzed half his body yeah, and also was not able to talk, but was able to communicate when he wanted to. There was a story of a woman, had terrible, terrible stomach pain. She was terrible. And she was a prominent woman, actually, wherever she lived. And finally, the pain was so bad and severe, they admitted her to the hospital. And after various tests, it didn't take long when they found she had a tremendous tumor in her stomach and needed to come out of emergency. Needless to say, in those days, emergency meant three, four days. Unlike appendix. Anyway, the woman, we don't know if she was from or she was not from, whatever her story was, she heard of the Rebbe. And she called up Rabbi Groner, secretary, and she poured her heart out and she told him his whole story. She told him the whole sorry story of what's going on. And she, they need an operation, they don't know what to do. 
So we're going to say, I will try to relay this to the Rebbe and see what the Rebbe says. He came into the Rebbe and he read the whole letter to the Rebbe. And he asked the Rebbe, should she check on Mezuzus? The Rebbe said yes. Shook his head. Should she give extra tzedakah? The Rebbe said no. Any other mitzvah she should take on? The Rebbe shook his head no. So the Rebbe is saying she's check on Mezuzus? The Rebbe said again, yes. Now in those days also, you know, the Mezuzah you have to understand is like a shmirah for the house. It's a way of guarding of the house, Shem Yedal Sisrael, protects us. But, people looked at it as a tradition. Hang the Mezuzah on your door. Now all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but of the, of the years of the Rebbe, where the Rebbe told many people to check the tefillin and the mezuzahs. Here the Rebbe just said the mezuzahs should be checked. So they took down her mezuzahs in her house, she's in the hospital, and they took them to a safer, and four of her mezuzahs were totally unfit, they were puzzled. They changed the mezuzahs, and she didn't feel really any better. She was maybe getting used to the pain, whatever it was. And a few days later, they were ready to do the surgery. And they said, before they do the surgery, they want to make sure it's located in a place that they can actually remove it. It was a very large tumor. And they put her through the whole battery of x-rays. And the doctor walks into her room. And he's holding the envelope of x-rays. And he's shuffling foot to foot. And she's exploding Tell me everybody what's going on. He takes out the envelope, the original x-ray, first x-ray they took. So you see this black mass? That's the tumor. Okay. See it's connected here, it's connected here. Then he takes out another x-ray. This is the first x-ray we took of you last week. This is the x-ray we took today. There is nothing here. There is nothing there whatsoever. We have no reason to operate. You can go home. She says, you're joking. You're playing games with me. Hmm. You're telling me this because you want me to think that's the situation and then I'm just going to die tomorrow. She says, no, no, no. No. She insisted the head professor, the head of the hospital comes in, the department and he comes in a day the next day he says, why are you still here? oh, excuse me the doctor said, actually we're in shock and we're concerned that our machines are faulty we want to put you through the battery tests again through another machine meantime, the technician was checking his machine to make sure that everything was good and they went through a whole different battery of tests from the different x-ray machines and found the same results, there was nothing there. No. She was an influential woman. So when the story hit the, just the world, the news, the press, the, press, the paper wanted to print the story. This is a living miracle today's day. So the reporter came to, report, to, to interview her, 
And she said to him, I will tell you a stipulation I have. I have one stipulation if you're going to print this article, if you're going to do this exclusive on my story. You need to prominently display within that article that the Lubavitcher Rebbe who performed this miracle says, Hine, Hine, Mashiach Bo. Mashiach is coming any second. And I said, I'm sorry, but that's that's religion. That's that's we we can't we don't we don't put that stuff in our, in our papers. We'd never be able to make it. She says, then you're not getting my interview. I'll call a different paper and they'll get it. He said, wait, wait. Called his editor and they went back and forth and they said, you know what? It's going in. And they took the whole story, they wrote the whole story, the exclusive of her miracle, and they wrote in it how the Rebbe announced, Hine, Ze, Mashiach, Bo, Mashiach is on his way. And this is a tremendous, tremendous thing, which we wonder sometimes when we hear this story, what was the bigger miracle? The fact that they printed about Mashiach, or the fact that they never got it, took care of her tumor. We're going to get to the main point of the Shir, which also should be Halakas on Rosh Hashanah, which I don't think I'm going to get to. We'll have Shemlin in the next week. Ki'ikari kansipur lefanecho, baderech, b'chol eitz, ayala oretz, Efreichim, a beitzim, vahim revetzal, Efreichim, a beitzim, leistikach aim, a la bonim, shaleach to shalachas aim, vesa bonim tikach loch, lomani tavloch, barach to yomim, our parsha this week, chapter 22, verse 6 and 7, perik of beiz, vov and As it will come to pass, and you'll go on the road and you'll find in a tree in the world, Eggs, chicklets, and the mother is sitting on top of his nest, nurturing or hatching the eggs. Do not take the mother bird. Send the mother bird away and take the, ch- the chicklets to yourself. This is a mitzvah minatera to which the tater rewards us. The tavlach will be good for you. Now you'll have to go into the archives of the Shirim of Shir.us, and you will hear the beautiful Madrashim and explanations of what happens and why this is the actual happening. Right now, we'd like to discuss Rashi. Rashi says, why does the Teda give us the reward, the Mani Tavlach? And Rashi writes, in mitzvah kala, if with a simple mitzvah, shame bach sudden kiss, there's no loss, no monetary loss. Omra teda, the teda tells us the money tavloch varach the yomim is going to be good for you, and you'll have longevity, you'll have long life. Kal v'chaimer. How much more so? The reward for the very, very stringent mitzvahs, for the ones that are so hard. The Ram explains his kavanas and says, Pirush, 
Don't let it be too hard in your eyes. The concept, the fact that the Torah tells us the reward for mitzvah shloach hakan, she mitzvah called simple mitzvah, it's going to be good for you in long life, and it doesn't say this by any other mitzvahs. Don't let this confuse you. The Rabbus also has come to teach us many different things. Even if it's a mitzvah like this, a simple mitzvah like this that has no loss, the Tehidah says, so much more so, that the reward of the mitzvahs that are so much more stringent. So in other words, he's telling us, this teaches us the reward of the simplest mitzvah and so much more so the greatest mitzvahs. Especially mitzvahs, kosher, like shikha, leket, shikha, peya. Person leaves over in his field, he has to leave over for the poor people. Bundles, uh, stalks, whatever it might be. It's loss of money, monetary loss. So, so much more so, if the person doesn't lose money, he gets reward. Of course, how much more so, if a person does lose money. No. On this explanation, we need to understand exactly why Rashi differentiates from the Sifri. The Sifri the Medrash, and also the Mishnah. If you're keeping score at home, that Mesechtas Chulin, Kuf Membeis Amir Aleph, page 142, side 1. And the Lashon is, Mitzvah A simple mitzvah, which is like an Iser. Which means to say, it has the smallest, minutest loss, monetary loss. It's only similar to a loss. That is the Sifri's take on this mitzvah of the Shulach HaKan. But Rashi changes it and says, mitzvah There's no loss whatsoever. So why is Rashi changing the wording of the Sifri who says there's somewhat of a loss. Since the Tata has intention to bring us the reward to the smallest and soft the smallest of mitzvahs, we are forced to say the mitzvah of Shlucha Khan, which is a mitzvah, a simple mitzvah, therefore the Tata chose this mitzvah. That's why Rashi doesn't say mitzvah Kalashiki Isr, a small, a minutest loss? Because then it becomes a question. So why did the tailor choose this mitzvah out of all the others? If there's some sort of loss. Therefore Rashi says, no. There's no loss whatsoever. And that way we understand why the tailor chose this mitzvah over all other mitzvahs, to teach us this, the greatness and the reward for all the mitzvahs. <laughs> but at the end of the day, how can Rashi say mitzvah kalash is no chazan and chiz? There's no loss whatsoever. It's a, the opposite of the mitzvah here. Sending away the bird, he's losing the bird. He's losing the value of the bird. He's not taking the bird home. He has to send it away. Even if it keeps coming back, you got to keep sending it away. The maskele David turns around and answers. There's a machlikis. There is a dispute. 
if heder harevach is considered chesar and kis or not, what's heder harevach? If I don't earn money, am I considered losing money? If I had a invest, I had an investment that I could have made money on, but I don't make the money on it, I don't make the investment to begin with, did I lose the money? Is it considered a loss? We're going to go and turn to the IRS, and we'll ask the IRS, what do they think about that? Can I turn around and declare a loss on the fact that I wanted to invest in a certain stock, and I did invest in the stock, <laughs> and the stock made a lot of money, so I lost. So the IRS says, no. But the Tegmara says different. The Yamada has two different opinions. One says that if you could have had something and you didn't get it, it's considered a loss. And one says no. If he would have taken the bird out after it became his, it became his bird and then he threw it away, no, he's losing. But the bird doesn't belong to him. It's not your bite. It's walking, you're walking on the road, and you saw the bird. It's not yours. So what's your problem? It goes into together, maybe, of Muniyah Serevach. But not Chesar and Kis, it's not a loss. So therefore, this we could perhaps go the dispute between Rashi and the Sifri. Whether or not Meniyah Serevach is considered a hefzid or not. And therefore we have two sides of the coin. And this is what Rashi actually disputes with the Sifri. The Sifri says that Meniyah Serevach is considered a hefzid. By having something I could have gotten and I don't get it, I'm, I'm losing. I'm losing. And therefore he writes, Mitzvah Kalashik Isa, there's a small loss, because he sent away the bird that I'm not getting. Rashi says, no. The normal pshat teaches us, it's not a loss. And therefore, it's Mitzvah Shem Bechsar and Kis. It's not your bird, you didn't lose it. How do we straighten this whole thing out? Even if you don't learn, Meniyah Serevach is considered a hefzid, you don't consider that by making, by almost making money, you lost. Person's pained. Person suffers from not making that money. I could have made an investment, I could, and I didn't make it. It hurts. It hurts. So since the Tate is looking for a way that Lemanyi Tavlog will be good for you, in the simplest of mitzvahs, that you have no loss whatsoever. So therefore, even Meniyah Serevach, it doesn't have. It doesn't even have the concept of Meniyah Serevach, because we want to show there's no pain involved whatsoever here. And therefore it says, that the truth is, Rashi's Kavana, the simplest thing to say that the Chesar and Kis is nothing. There is no Chesar and Kis. And therefore we see from the Basak, Shalach the Shalach. And the Chazal teach us, if you're looking again, keeping score at home, in Masech Tzchulin, Kuf Mem Aleph Hamid Beis, 141 side 1, She'im Shalach Hasa'im V'chazra, Chayiv Lachza L'Shalcha. 
If you send away the bird and he comes back, you got to send it away again. Even a hundred times, and that's the halacha. That's why it's the shalach, the shalach. Both are a petition. Rashi, it says, even if it's not according to the halacha, so Rashi explains, he doesn't bring this drasha. Adrava, from the Lashon of Rashi, we learn just the opposite. Only because immediately sent away, if the mother goes away, and the children, you have to send away the mother from the, from the children, but afterwards came back, you don't have to send it away. That's why Rashi writes in the first passage, What does it mean? It happened. Don't take the mother when she's on the children. Send her away. Send her away. And that's it. Now if she came back, she's not taking her from on the children. You're taking her out because she came back. So the whole mitzvah says Rashi is only the first time. Send it away. It just happened to be. You sent it away. At that point, you can't take it for yourself. Once you found the bird's nest, you sent away the mother, and the children that have found the rishos can't take them a pail. And then in the beginning of Mizuman, since it's still on the mother, it's still on the, on the nest, therefore you cannot touch it. Now we understand what Rashi and Sifri are arguing about. Rashi writes the mitzvah is Ein Bachsar in Kis, there's no loss. Because according to the Bishat, the whole incident is taking the mother where she's on the children. But after, if she came back to the nest, you could take her. So therefore we have the, the gain of the mother, of the bird. Once you sent it away, and it comes back again, it's yours. So therefore, Ein Baksar Kis, he has no loss. He even gets the mother bird. Everything is his now. Yeah. And generally, the mother does come back, and therefore he's good to go. But the Sifri says in Halacha, no. That a halacha, the halacha is that you're not allowed to touch this bird. And once it goes away, it comes back. You got to send it away again and again and again, and you'll never get the mother bird. And therefore, you have that loss. The end of the parsha, we talk about the mitzvah Remember, do not forget what Amalek did to you when you were leaving Egypt. Amalek yemach shemam v'zechram. We would write when we were children. We used to write Amalek or Haman on the shoes, the bottom of our shoes, and wipe it out because it says Mochik. You have to wipe it out. You have to eradicate it. Not on Shabbos. Obviously, we didn't write on Shabbos either. Okay. Um, our latest Amalek is, of course, Iran. ISIS. ISIS. Obama. But prior to that was a very civil nation, a very educated nation, Nazi Germany. So much so that the Jews could not believe that these people 
would really do the atrocities that they were doing. And although Jews heard about what was going on in other towns and other camps, it didn't click. The Germans were too sophisticated of a people, of a nation, to act this way. One such Yidnebuch went to his entire family and they were all put on the cattle car. They were all carted off to Auschwitz, Chmanalitzlan. And his entire family perished and four years later he came out alive. Needless to say, there was nothing of value in this world to him any longer. Nothing, not in God, not anything. He traveled and he wandered and he was all alone in the world now, going from town to town as a vagabond practically, trying to do some businesses. Ultimately, the word was that the opportunity was in the land of milk and honey, and he made his way to the Holy Land of Israel. Unfortunately, in the hands of the Zionist parties, in the Kibbutznikim, who would not let them put on tefillin, not let them think about God for a second. And next to him was an American soldier, who also felt that after the war, noticing his American fellow soldiers, they were no lovers to Jews either. So here they are, the two of them, he decided also to immigrate to Israel, and the two of them are side by side working in the kibbutz from Alesa Shachat to Tzeis HaNeshama. From sunrise till the Neshama goes out. One day, the American soldier notices a very awkward phenomenon. His friend rolls up his sleeve in the field to work, and he sees the branded number, and the last four digits were 7416. And he says, Yo! 7416! This is what of it. He says, That's the last four numbers of my social security. <laughs> he says, I know, because in my army and everything else, I always was writing down my every, every paper after my social security number. So I know 7416 is my social security number. I can't believe it. What divine providence is not? There's no divine, there's no God, there's no providence, there's no nothing. Laz Machop. But divinely got him down to sit him down to tell the whole story of his thing or that. And he says how he came to, the, to Auschwitz. His whole family was taken in front of him, gone to the left. He and his brother were standing in the line together. His brother was right behind him. And the people were branded one number after another. They were not branded the same number. Everyone was given the next, the next number in the series. So therefore you, they felt that maybe this is something that, yeah, it's going to be alright, they're going to organize it and everything will be fine. Because the far the Germans are not so what? But no, that's not what happened, unfortunately. And his brother, too, went with his wife, his mother, and his, his father, and his sisters. They were all perished. Done. So he told the whole horrific story, the nightmare of the years of Auschwitz, and the two of them cried over their shoulders. And he got invited. After a few years, they decided to part ways. They went out of the kibbutz. And the American fellow became a, a driver. He got himself a fancy car. And he would drive around tourists to bring, he knew the land. So American tourists that wanted to go in a fancy American car, a nice car and everything else, wanted to hear an English speaker, so they would go with him. So he always had different people that he picked up, and he always picked up sometimes very, very aristocratic people. And every so often he got a flake. 
One such flake gets into his car, well-dressed, barking like a dog. Make a right here, make a left here, go here, go down, what you see, what you And then when he did the right thing, he did exactly what he told him, and he would curse him out again. And this is getting getting a little bit intolerable. Finally, the guy says to him, the passenger says, Stop the car! Pull over! This is a machine of the road, in the middle of the road, he's going to get out and, and maybe he doesn't feel well. Pulls over the car, puts it in park, turns around and says, What's the matter? He says, Let me tell you something, I'm not a bad person. I come off as a hard person. I come off as a, I'm not a bad person. I'm a very nice guy. And I never do such things. I just, I just, it gets, sometimes I get very, he says, let me show you. And he takes off his jacket, he rolls up his sleeves, the number on his arm, and he shows him that he was in Auschwitz, the whole family got wiped out. The driver was now in shock. The last four numbers on this man's arm was 7417. He says, Mister, don't tell me your whole family was wiped out. Stay in the car. And he drove him to his brother, who had 7416. And he united the two brothers. And they came together and they realized that God does work in mysterious ways. And God does keep us all together. And this way we do need to all band together and wipe out Amalek. And that would be the outcome of this week's 73 mitzvahs. The 73 wonderful mitzvahs and the parasha getting married and bites and the house and the, the, the mic and everything else. Beautiful things. But most importantly is we need to wipe out Amalek and Amalek will be wiped out and Ruach Tuma Avim in Oretz and all the bad spirits will be wiped out from the world and we will merit to the purest the Tavloch, the Manarachta Yomim, which will be in the time and the days of Mashiach Tzitkenu, may it be this very Shabbos, Shabbat Shalom to all.